I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetus Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What up, all you cowpokes and city slickers? I'm Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm Max. And you're listening to Zetus Lapidus. It is a Mammoth Club original podcast. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then spend far too much time analyzing them. Right. Would you say you're a cowpoke or a city slicker? <laughs> Probably a cowpoke. Maybe a ranch hand. If I could be like Twister or Mule in this film. I'm not asking which one you want to be. I'm saying which one are you? Probably Cowpoke. You live in Orlando, Alan. That's fair, but I didn't know. You live in a tourist destination. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. I guess I'm a city slicker, L.A. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) All right. You know what's funny is I think all three of us are cowpoke turned city slicker. That is true. I think all three of us are like, yeah, I come from the boonies, and now I, I mean, Molly. Buckhead? The boonies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Well, okay, I almost think I'm the most cowpoke, though. Right. She's a horse girl. I mean, like, this is sort of my point, right? Like, the the one of us that could do the best on the ranch would be me. Okay. Right. Wait a minute. Now. It sort of goes against where she's from. Like I'm, yeah. I, I'm from the boonies. You're from the boonies, Alan. Molly is literally a horse girl. So like, yeah. I think yeah. we are all cowpoke turned city slicker. Yeah. Agreed. Like this whole movie, I, Alan was watching with me, and I was just like, oh, they're not doing that right there. Oh, I have anxiety watching this guy on a horse. Like it was f- fueling my, my anxiety. <laughs> I'm very interested to hear those things about it because there were like you know as somebody that isn't in the know i i rode horses growing up a little bit because uh some family friends had horses but certainly i don't know it to the depth that you do right i think the most at home i felt was like the cows when you open up the movie where it's like oh i know that part of ranching but when Mm. it gets to like the horses do you mean cattle yes i mean cattle yeah for our listeners who do not who did not grow up on farms my grandfather would Whoa. All right. I know he would he Anger would very much have, have a problem with me referring to cattle as cows. Thank My you. sincerest apologies to your grandfather who is not here who's, at the moment and will not, not ever hear this, this episode. Room. He's he's alive. <laughs> 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 yes, to be your, clear. Your grandfather who's not with us right now <laughs> in the room at midnight as we record this podcast that he'll never listen to oh god that's great okay no i i love my grandfather he taught me several things and one of those things is that it is cattle not cows and that you don't order a steak past medium those are two of my biggest life lessons i learned agreed Wow, you can tell it's been a minute since we have done this together, everybody. It's already off the rails. (laughs) Okay, this movie was uh, uh, released November 20th of 1999. The basic show info is, after treating his rancher cousin shoddily in L.A., Michael Woods is sentenced by his parents to spend a month on the ranch with his cousin and aunt. I think my only problem with that is the word shoddily. Thank you. It's, it's an interesting choice of words for <laughs> of how he treated him, but I, I think generally it's a good summary. I don't think they can write like shit. <laughs> it does feel like that's what they wanted to say. Like, like she, treating his cousin like a piece of trash. He yeah. uh, had to go to the ranch. 
after being the world's biggest douche for a week, he had to go to the ranch. Yeah, he, so. he just had to go and be punished. Uh, the top song at the time was Smooth by Santana. Oh, shit. That's a good song. Yes. Yeah. We love that Under guitar. No Carlos Santana. The moon, and it's the same as straight emotion that I get from you. You got the kind of love, and that could be so smooth. Yeah. Give me, Give me a, a heart, heart. Make, make it real. real. Or else forget about it. Wow, wow. You know, it went from, for me, Max, what I saw on my end was Molly sultrily holding the end of a microphone, mm. moving into yeah. what is not a guitar, but a ukulele. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I wanted Max stomach. to... No, no, no. Yeah. She's just, you know, it's like on the, you know, when you get your hands real close together on the neck of the guitar. You yeah, know? when you're it's, tapping the frets is what that's That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Smooth by Santana, the top grossing film at the time uh, was Toy Story 2. Good movie. Excellent film. No, no, it's no Toy Story 1. It's, it's just in the Toy Story it's franchise. fucking Jesse, but... It, it, Mm, it's okay. Interesting it's, that it's a cowboy I, related film, though. <laughs> Here's, well, you okay. think Disney planned that? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Like, uh, cowboys are rather on trend right now. We have Let's release horses. Decom. Uh, notable for literally Max, you and I, and then maybe for seven of our listeners, was that number the number four film uh, that were top grossing in this time period was Pokemon the first movie. Oh, hell yeah, it was. Hell yeah. I'm on the road. Gotta catch them all. Hey. On the road to Viridian City. I'm on the road. I'm on the road. Yeah, anyway, that's for six of you plus Max and I. So the Pokemon the first movie, a little representation. Some news headlines of the time. Uh, One, which is boring, was now we're transitioning out of the Clinton administration into when it's Bush and McCain are sort of the front runners for his opposition in the upcoming elections, whatever. And then we have what's actually interesting is a few weeks prior, picture it. It's the WWE, the oh. 1999 Survivor Series. Oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin oh. struck by a vehicle before his appearance in the Survivor Series. When in reality, he had to get hit by that car because he had to have his neck fused together, but he refused to actually go get the surgery until he was literally hit by a fucking car. Obviously. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think that was going to lead to such a dark place. I thought you were going to tell me that Stone Cold Steve Austin fought the rock no that was the rise of the rock the people's the people's elbow the people's yeah the people's (laughs) elbow on the neck actually so he what is his tagline what can you smell it can you can you smell (laughs) what the rock (laughs) if you smell what the rock is i have watched Zero minutes of WWE in my lifetime. Oh my god, you have wow. to! I'm, oh, you have to! I'm significantly higher than that. <laughs> yeah. But I, so, like, this which wouldn't actually, take much, but yeah, 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 true. If it's at zero, like literally thirty seconds. Um, yeah, this was significant because Stone Cold Steve Austin had actually injured his neck, and I forget who performed the actual move on him. Owen Hart. Owen Hart. Actually, like he on like a reverse slam, he actually fractured his neck. But for I think it was a year and a half, I suffered through the pain. Fake. Yeah, you're acting, uh, but you still You can do be the fake stunts. and still hurt yourself. Like, well, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's like stunt people, right? Okay. And like, it just imagine like stunt people in movies can still get hurt, right? Sure. So 
it's okay, very similar. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. They are not actively working to hurt each other, but when you are doing very physical things and trying to make them look real, people sure. can get hurt. Sure. Like they, they, he had a fascinating interview on Hot Ones where he actually broke down like some of his words that he had with the other wrestlers when he'd like want them to, hey, I'm actually hurting now. And like they would have their own phrases they would use in the middle of the fights. But in, in any case, I think it was like, like two, a safe word. Yeah, a safe word. Uh, mm-hmm. Like two years it. prior. I get it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just heard that hit my right ear through my headphone. And I don't know how to look at you right now. We should talk about horses. <laughs> we should. Anyway. We should just move on, I think. Horse sense. To answer your question, Alan, I did watch this a lot growing up. Yeah. This is the question. Who did you either watch this growing I, up? Truthfully, I loved this one. This was another I was very excited to watch again. I loved the Lawrence Brothers from Brotherly Love. And then, of course, the middle one who's not in this was on Boy Meets Untrue. World. He, he, he is in this, he but is very briefly. Oh, you're right. You're he's right. the cowboy. That he makes a cameo part. appearance. All right. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. He's yeah. he's on Boy Meets World. And I loved a lot of, uh, of the Lawrence brother work. And I had a big crush on Joey Lawrence and watching this now as a 30 something year old, I thought good taste, young Molly, good taste. And I was very worried that this would be in the don't look under the bed Mm. category where I was really excited to watch it. And then it just disappointed me terribly. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to report it did not. I, I definitely saw it. I, uh, as, as not a former horse girl, I didn't feel any like, you know, need to continue to watch it. But I, I definitely remember the place that the Lawrence brothers had in my life in watching such shows as brotherly love. Uh, and, and yes, of course, seeing them appear on God, every Disney thing for like 10 years, it felt like, but the thing I didn't realize, and I, I mean, we will get to this eventually. I didn't realize that there's a sequel to this movie. I never watched Jumping Ship or realized that it is canonically the sequel to this film. I don't think I did either until this very second. Yeah. I, I is it that next? It, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know where it falls. Is that next? Uh, it is not next. Yeah, I, I think it's a uh, while. It's not a, up, up, and away is next. Oh, yeah. We, we, yeah I think yeah. That we've gotten to maybe the mid-aughts until we get any sequels. Because we start in like 2001 is when we get, when we get the sequel. So we start getting uh, we start getting sequels. I think like what three to four years after release. Jumping Ship is canonically the sequel to this, and will feature Matt Lawrence in a heavier role. Michael and Tommy are going to go on a cruise ship, mm. and Matt Lawrence works on the cruise ship. Is a cruise director, something of that nature. I, again, I didn't realize this movie had a sequel, but in uh, prepping for this, I have come to understand it does. And last like, note, we are they're like apparently movies away. Yeah, they, they are, when Disney did the 100 DCOM special, apparently the Lawrence brothers were pushing for a third in this oh. series, that they they didn't want Jumping Ship to be the end. All of these years later, they wanted to finish this series. What a power trifecta the Lawrence brothers were. What, what's interesting, too, is in my research, I learned they all still make movies together. Wait, <laughs> like, really? if you go look at their recent IMDb's, they have very recent movies where they're in it together. Hey, good for them, man. I mean, it's like if you can do the thing you love with with family or I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Alan, did you watch this movie growing up? I did not, no. I I, I remember 
it being advertised on the Disney Channel, but I mm. never took the time to watch it until the last time where I feel as if I have watched it so very many times in the last nine days. Uh, for those of you who are listening, I, I hosted the watch party for, for this one uh, solo because Molly was filming and Max was in Japan, right? You were in Japan at that point? Yeah. So it was going to be tough for either for, for either of you to be present. So I was watching this for the first time with the club. And then I watched it, I think, two more times just to, to try to like understand what was happening because I hated Joey Lawrence's character so much. Spoiler alert in this. Uh, they did a really good job of writing him as like a, an asshole. So, yeah, no, I didn't watch it, but I am very familiar with the Lawrence brothers because, as you said, Max, they popped up in everything. Let's get into it, shall we? It opens on the ranch. You immediately are, you're, you're immediately sort of introduced with this cowboy music. I don't want to like, it's sort of like this. That music, twang. that music made me feel cowboy. a very specific way. And mm -hmm. I can't put it into words, but it felt like. You know, it was all, it was very piano heavy, actually. It wasn't like guitars and banjos. It was like piano heavy. I don't know. It felt like a Lifetime movie I was going into. Like well, I, I, it almost is. I have many thoughts on similar things that like this movie is essentially a Hallmark movie minus yeah. the romantic relationship being at the core mm, of it. Is yeah. it though? I've lit. No, I've literally, I know what you're going to say, but I've literally seen this exact plot ranch and all as yeah. a bad Christmas movie yeah. where the, the, they're losing the ranch. The city slicker has to learn the ways of the farm. This is, quite literally a hallmark movie but the core relationship is between two cousins instead of romantic partners mm. yeah and the and the like piano music this kind of like jaunty you know it like it feels like i'm going into a lifetime or hallmark film not a uh fun decom <laughs> it it's kind of like how if you're flipping channels and you see a soap opera, you know it's a soap opera immediately. Like there's yeah. something about it that just says soap opera. That is how this feels. I yeah. completely agree. But not for nothing. I think we are immediately thrown into plot in horse sense. And I think that they do that better here in this film than we've seen in other DCOMs, especially right off the bat. Maybe I'm jaded because I've still got Don't Look Under the Bed in my head, but like they did such a good job of being like, who's the main character? Oh, it is Mike. Oh, it's uh, Tommy, this kid who is whittling. He's seen as like a, a, a very nice boy engaging in the household. You immediately get a single parent counter tick up. All within, I think, the first 10 minutes, you immediately sort of establish this rapport with the main character of Tommy. And there's a lot in this opening sequence that I really liked. I mean, it, there's nothing offensive about any part of this opening sequence. It's very just like, here's the main character. This is the family unit. This is the ranch, etc. And then they have this throwaway line. And I think it's, br it's brilliant, if I think about it in terms of decoms, where... The entire purpose of this, this set of conversations is to establish that Tommy is about to leave to go visit his cousin in Beverly Hills. And as Tommy's leaving, he looks at his mom and goes, what about the money? And it's just a throwaway line where the mom's like, you don't need to worry about that. Cut to Beverly Hills. And so you, you get conflict there, which you don't necessarily get a lot of subtle, con not a lot of subtle in DCOMs, right? You get some subtle conflict introduced right off the bat as well, which I thought was really, really nice. And one thing that I made note of as I continue to watch is that they do this a lot in this movie. They slip in a lot of these plot points that, f that make them feel earned when you get to the end of the movie. 
mm. which is nice because that's such a rarity in decoms. Again, might be colored due to due to don't look under the bed. But I thought that was a really sort of neat neat callback that we're going to get later on and becomes a central central theme to the film. Yeah, hard to agree. I think that generally the writing of this is pretty good. There's one of those I think that is along the lines of what you just said that's going to come up pretty shortly that I was like, oh, okay, um, but. <laughs> But generally, I, listen, here, here's what I'm going to say. I'm just going to get this out and I'm not going to go on any big rant because generally I think that like these characters are pretty strong. I do find Tommy a little unrelatable mm. in this movie. Like, I think that he is a very aspirational 10 year old, but I find him to be like almost too adult for a 10 year old kid. And I, and I don't know if I'm in, I, I don't know how old he is, by the way, if he's 10 or whatever, but I find him to be a little bit too adult to be relatable to what I think is the audience of this movie. And obviously like it's all for good things. He's very responsible. He really cares about his family. He's hardworking, all things that you want in a main character. And he's a likable character, but I don't look at him and I'm like, that's a real kid. You know, like, I'm like, that's an adult person that, like, <laughs> that, that is in a child body, right? Like, um, although he does become a bit of a savage later in the movie. And, oh, and I he, think that's, oh, that's yeah. where you see some of his, like, mischievous kid tendencies. So. Well, even the mom says that, right? Like, as he's going, the mom goes out of her way to say something like, the adults have got it. You don't have to do it. I, so, like, they, they establish that. Too. I actually think what they're trying to say is that this... 10 or 11 year old is more of an adult than the 20 year old. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's Mike. Like, yeah, he, for sure. He's a giant child. Whereas Tommy has been forced to grow up a little bit quicker. He's also lived on a ranch his whole life. He's had to work hard going to visit my family out in Iowa. Like their kids work mm. way harder than I ever did. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sure. I think there's that, but yeah, he has a, he's very polite He's very, you know, kind, uh, but yeah, he's definitely a little adult, but I do like, I agree. We're going to get into it. He becomes ruthless. He becomes an absolute savage. Oh God, I love him. Yeah. Can we, can we just pause for a moment? Because we have a cut to Beverly Hills and we get what is perhaps the most uncomfortable thing that I have seen in a minute. And that is this weird talking only mouth alarm clock. It's 1215. Oh yeah. I hated that. It's 1215. Wake up. I hated it. Uh, what? No. Like that is the opposite of what I want Pat to make my wall. Like I don't want <laughs> Like just a mouth telling you to just, wake up. It's 1215. Oh no. Also, who needs an alarm for 1215? Is that now? Gina, by the way? Is that Gina's mouth? No. That's his weird alarm. Imagine. Imagine you date a girl for 10 days and make her mouth your alarm clock. Oh, I hate that. Well, well she, he gets well, a nice watch for that two week anniversary, you know? He, yeah, yeah, I know. I have things to say. <laughs> so, okay. So, Michael is Joey Lawrence. He's the 20 year old rich kid cousin that lives in Beverly Hills. And we see immediately that his life is completely opposite Tommy's. He doesn't wake up till noon. He has their housekeeper make him a like green smoothie. And oh, it's he, wheatgrass. It's yeah, it looks gross. And she's like, You better eat. And he's like, No, I'm nine percent body fat, gotta stay lean. What a tool. He gets in his whatever nice ass car. It's a Porsche. He gets in a convertible I don't Porsche. Care. Side tangent, like, I don't give a shit. Like, I've been on dates with guys that try and like rev their car and I'm like, Who are you who are you trying to impress? Like, I literally don't give okay. a shit. So you got a car. That don't impress me much. Um <laughs> 
he gets in his Porsche and he goes to class where he's like cuddling up on his new girlfriend and all they can talk about is their trip to Europe and all the things they're going to do in the Riviera. But it just sets him up as like a rich douche. And yeah. his mom says, don't forget to pick up your cousin at the airport at 4.30. And you're immediately like, well, he's going to forget to pick his cousin up at Obviously. the airport at 4.30. Yeah. Like, and uh, that's exactly what happens. And so it's just it's just setting us up to like Tommy and not like Michael. There, there are two things that I want to observe here. And then I'll move on from sort of our introduction to Michael. One, they call their maid, cook. I don't know what her role is in the household other than like, like help her. Housekeeper. housekeeper. They call her three different names. I don't know if maybe I just can't hear it. What is Wasn't it? Wasn't it Arlene? I heard Arlene, Harlene, Herlene, and I don't know if it's just the different actors and actresses not pronounce, like pronouncing it in a way that Yeah, I think it's me. Arlene. But, okay, I had written, I, I, I added Harlene. I think maybe Arlene you just can't hear. That's fair. I need to get my ears tested anyway. It's that time. <laughs> and the second thing is, it's fucking Calabar. Yeah. Dad is Calabar. Oh, yeah. We love a community theater uh, appearance. That's not the best community theater uh, callback we're going to get either. No, but it's so cool to see Calabar back. This is yeah. what happens when he, he takes over the non-magic world. He leaves Halloween Town. <laughs> and then he and becomes a rich to, dad. And becomes a rich Do dad. Do you never think yields. that he used his magic to become so rich? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that this is in the same universe as... Uh, as uh, Halloween Town, that as soon as his plot to take over Halloween Town failed, he was like, I'll just go be rich. Exactly. I mean, listen, we get a call to Brink. So the, was, the community uh, theater is, that's what is I was in talking about. this they, film. It's like uh, decomception because yeah. they watch Brink on TV. And it's yeah, like. Yeah, Brink is canonically a movie in the. In, <laughs> or, in, or is it a documentary? Do- <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the X Games. They're, no, it, it's, it, they're live watching the, the X Games. It's Holy just shit. down the street because they're in Beverly Hills. Like I know. It's just down the road. Oh, my oh, God. That, I love that version of the story where they. This is happening in the same timeline as Brink. And if you would just watch a little bit longer, you would see uh, Andy Brink Brinker win after after cheating. I mean, uh, maybe Tommy did. We don't know. Matt, Michael leaves him. Michael left. So we don't. Yeah, yeah. anything could happen. Yeah. I mean, to your point, we get so. So Michael fails to pick up his cousin at the airport he's well, 30 minutes late but he realizes he's 30 minutes late because his snotty girlfriend oh Gina. gives him the gives two him week a- anniversary do people not know what anniversary means like <laughs> one year <laughs> the one two year. week anniversary gift two week versary and oh, she gives him man. like a nice ass watch yeah wait is that really the time i sure hope so and it's like yeah. engraved and shit like calm down yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I guess when you're rich, but like the just the idea of I, this is not foreign to me. Obviously, I have been in you know young relationships where it's like, oh, we've been together a month, you know, and you like do things because relationships in high school last exactly a month, and if you can make it that far, it's a big deal. But yeah, they're in dog years. But it, like this is they're in college. Yeah, it like, feels a, it this feels is a juvenile. Twenty year old person that's celebrating being together for exactly fourteen days. She calls her father daddy. It makes me physically uncomfortable. I, I try to support women, but man, do I hate this character. Like she's tough to like. She's 
just so materialistic and superficial and pl- I mean that's how they write her obviously she's like yeah. the dumb bimbo rich girl but it's like come she's on girl come on I mean she's yeah that, they wrote a an, a good one dimensional easy to dislike character right yeah, she is the annoying. worst of Michael right that is she is meant to enhance and highlight the worst parts of this character so that Tommy can enhance and highlight the the parts we want to see from him and uh, she does a great job everything is is money and clout and she name drops a bunch and mm-hmm. and it's all about status with her and and it's a great uh, juxtaposition of what will happen on the ranch I, I have a question for you, Max. This is, this is, you have an area of expertise that Molly and I lack. We do not live in California. Okay. So I'm ready. It is established that he is yep. 30 minutes late to pick up Mike, uh, pick up Tommy mm-hmm. yep. at the airport while yep. he is at the, at his university. Yeah. How late do you think he was when he got to the airport given traffic in California? Mm, interesting. Um, well, it really depends on the time. But let me say this. It's hard for me to equate. It could be anywhere from he starts 30 minutes late, right? Mm -hmm. So depending on what university he is at, is he at UCLA? Is he at USC? Is he, you know, where is he? Depending on what university he's at, probably UCLA. uh, (laughs) It could be anywhere from an hour late to two and a half hours late, right? But what I will say is that there, there is extreme accuracy, in the fact that if you're ever late to anything in LA, <laughs> you're gonna just say, got traffic, right? <laughs> like, that is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how late you are. It doesn't matter where you're going. If you show up late and somebody's like, oh, you're late, you're like, yeah, fucking traffic though. Like, it's what everyone will say all the time. So they wrote that well. That, that was I an incredibly that accurate. accurate, yeah, that was an incredibly accurate depiction of LA. I want to take us back for one second. I'm going to say one sentence just because we're going to come back around to it. Mm-hmm. But before he gets his beautiful Fortnite watch gift. Um, Ooh, nice use of Fortnite. Thank you. I immediately uh, thought of the video game. But yeah, I, I was about to I be understand. like, hey, kids, yeah. I mean, I mean, 14 days. <laughs> and now uh, I will floss. <laughs> <laughs> Not the uh, dental thing. Uh, the dance. <laughs> <laughs> but before... We get to that. We see him in class getting a D on a paper he wrote about mm. land trusts. Yeah, and I want to that specific. I want to put yeah. a pin in that. Yeah, because we'll I'm sure bring that back around. A you, bit. I think what you specifically want to mention is that he ha, he has a, a a strong understanding of land <laughs> trusts that he has at some point in his life done very thorough study. And, and, and really a four page paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is quite knowledgeable on the topic. That yeah. D means does know what he's talking about. That, yeah, that's, that's right. what that means. Uh, delightful. I think is what he said. <laughs> Do you think it stands read. for delightful read? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to, I just want to put that out there. It will come back. Yeah. And we will mm-hmm. float back to, he picks up Tommy Tommy is super excited to one, give him this whistle he whittled for him because I guess they had a family reunion a few years ago. Tommy and Michael hung out for most of it. He gave him a whistle, so he whittled him a new one. He keeps trying to give it to him like a nice boy, and Michael keeps taking his car phone calls from Mm. Gina. Yeah. Yep. Also, sure the, the idea of trying to talk on a car phone while driving down a highway in a convertible is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever. Yeah. Sorry. I can't hear anything you're saying. <laughs> like, 
You need to shout into this shitty 90s speaker, please. Also, get over the wind. Phones? Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. it, it was a cell. It was one of those flips. It was, yeah, it was a cell but phone. It was, it was prior it, to Bluetooth. Like, it, it was... Yeah, well, he had the mount in the car where he put the cell phone. But they referred to it as a car phone. They didn't refer yeah. to it as a cell phone, which I remember my parents having, like, that bag phone. You would uh, get out. Yeah. You remember that? Uh, he keeps answering the phone and talking to Gina about Europe, and then he makes Tommy stop and, help, like, buy a necklace. They get back to the house, and then he ditches Tommy to go hang out with Gina. Well, and we also learned that Calabar and Mom... Um, have to go back to Halloween Town. So they are not going to be around for <laughs> basically all of Tommy's trip, which will, you know, this will set up the environment where it's only Michael and there's no one else around and he can kind of just behave badly um, without repercussion for a few days because, you does. know, you can only return to Halloween Town on certain days and they, they can't miss their trip. So they it's have to go right now yeah. and, and uh, they won't be there for Tommy, unfortunately. That Halloween Town bus schedule, man, it's it's pretty rigid. He promises yeah. him he's going to take him to Disneyland. Does he not. doesn't. He I will say though, cheese, <laughs> kitty zone. <laughs> I will say that solid Disneyland advice in this movie, though. You not know, to go they, on the weekend. They, yeah, they're sitting around the table, and Mom's like, "You should take him tomorrow." And he's like, "On a Saturday? You got to be kidding me! We're not going on a Saturday. We're going Monday." And I was like, "Hey, as an LA native, good call." That I, is a good I call. Agree. But then my eye twitched at every time that he was like, "Can we just go to Disneyland right now?" And he's like, "Sure, we'll just show up in the mid morning. It'll be fine." Yeah. And I'm like twitching, like, "You're not going to get shit done." Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and he, I mean, it was you a make a park time. res. It, it was a different time, no. but he's like, yeah, we'll go on Monday. You can ride every ride a hundred times as much as you want. And I was like, oh God, oh God. Things have changed. I just was twitching. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I would wager though, like even if you were going on a Monday in the nineties, like for one day, you should still get there earlier than he, cause let's presume he wakes up at 1215. He gets oh, sure. yelled at by Arlene. Like they're not going to like two. That's yeah, too late. I agree. You gotta get there. For, you gotta get from Anaheim to, uh, like, from Beverly Hills to Anaheim. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, you're there for fireworks. There's one particular moment that they use to tell the passage of time that I think is super funny, and it's they they establish like, do you know how to use a VHS player? We have VHS players in Montana, and then we watch Tommy just create the Eiffel Tower out of VHSs meaning that he has to just spend his entire time in Beverly Hills watching. I mean, and we get the montage, right? The entire time watching movies, lassoing statues, hanging out with Arlene, cooking Arlene a lot of food, being cooked a lot of food by Arlene. Really, he and Arlene establish a strong relationship is what I'm saying. They, they become the best of friends in this montage. But yeah, it's, it's just such a like, man, Michael sucks. Yeah, he's worse. Michael sucks. Arlene's like, what the hell on the last day? She's like, he's leaving tomorrow. You need to be less of a piece of shit and take him to Disneyland. So he's like, all right, we're going to go right now at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Park probably closes at eight, but we'll go right now. It'll be <laughs> fine. Um, and they get in the car to go to Disneyland. And who should call but fucking Gina? And Gina, yeah. her daddy... Daddy's Ooh. in town right now, and he Ooh. really wants to meet you before he goes out of town again. And so you have to come see us right now. And he does. He drops poor Tommy off at the kiddie zone, which is like clearly for little kids and babies. And he goes to the racetrack with Gina and Daddy. 
that and well, first of all, Daddy has some mascot game. Daddy is never without. Daddy's got ass, Scott. <laughs> I just really am annoyed by Gina. Wow, damn, really got him with that one. You really did. This is a really dumb joke, and it, yeah, and it Alan's, hit Alan right in the right spot. Hit him in the funny, so funny. bone. Oh my god! Tickled him. <laughs> Why is that funny to me? Yeah, it's, it's late at night. I don't care. Oh, wow, that's funny. Okay. I, I just want to say Gina, in keeping with her terrible character, isn't understanding of him wanting to spend time with his young cousin. Like, I would think that'd be an attractive quality in someone uh, that you're dating, that, like, they value their family and their relationships, and he's doing something nice and taking his young cousin to Disneyland, but she doesn't see that at all. She's like, no, come to the racetrack with daddy. No, she's, she's a one dimensional character and she's driven by money and status. Right. So you spending time with your cousin from Montana does not further either of those things and therefore holds no value, but you coming and meeting dad and, and, uh, who, you know, works on movies and, and potentially now you work on movies. Like this is, this is how you create Hollywood royalty, right? Like this is how you uh, lay the groundwork for money and status. And, and so that's, what's important to her, right? Is, is uh, that, that that relationship is furthered. Not that he takes care of some cousin from Montana. Leaves the racetrack is involved in a hit and run where he hits and runs. And then we find out oh, gives God. fake insurance information to this woman but my car. Yeah, insurance fraud. Let's go. Yeah. That, That's a hot topic in DCOMs. It is common. I, I, I think that there, Disney must have done some survey that kids <laughs> understood insurance fraud was a bad thing. We have had multiple insurance fraud mentions in DCOMs. Like kids from 9 to 14 are very aware. <laughs> The insurance fraud is a, a growing problem that that is uh, of the worst mor uh, moral implications. It's honestly, Max, the, it, it comes up again in this movie. But I literally thought to myself, I was like, banks are the villains. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's the message of the story. Oh, yeah. The bank is the villain. And they wonder yeah. why we turned out the way we turned out. Us, This group that watched all these videos, we were like, the banks are the problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, suddenly a bunch of people are against capitalism and they're like, how did this happen? Like, I, like corsets. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, make all of our land, land trust. Give it all back. Like, <laughs> it's all made up anyway. <laughs> preserve the environment. Take care of animals. And people are like, wait, what happened to this generation of humans you have you track seen it back directly to yeah. horses yeah oh, we had a whole series of movies that told us how bad insurance fraud is and the, yeah <laughs> insurance in the banks are terrible yeah. and that uh yeah um but oh, this part made me really mad and it's not even that he commits insurance fraud which isn't great but he goes back he goes to the kitty zone or whatever it's called to pick him up and he's left because he's been bored so he has arlene come pick him up and then Michael goes back home and he yells at Tommy. He's like, mm. I was really worried that you weren't there. And it's like, you really think you have a leg to stand on right oh, now? Oh, yeah. Tommy, well, has that's, that's what he does, though, is he, he talks his way out of everything. I, I forgot to mention now when you were talking about your montage, just as the last kind of note on, on really hammering home how bad this trip is. There's a scene in that montage that is, I think, the saddest scene I've ever seen in any decom so far, which is Tommy sitting outside with a remote control boat, 
driving it in circles in a pool in the dark. And I was like, this is maybe the most depressing scene of any movie it just ever. It's like start raining. Just yeah, just like a kid sitting with a remote control boat going in small circles in a pool, and he's just sitting in darkness while he looks in and sees like older cousin talking to some girl on the phone. I was like, God, that is a depressing scene right there. Tommy has had a bad time. I had I have a lot of older cousins that I'm very close to, and so this would have killed me. Like if I had gone mm-hmm. to visit my cousins uh, and they treated me like this, I would have I would have been so upset. Like yeah. it's very easy to feel bad for Tommy. Yeah, I, I mean I think I grew up with a with a pretty small family. Like I don't have um, a lot of cousins, but I think I feel this way. I, I grew up feeling this way about uncles, right? Which were uh, a bigger age gap, but like if uncles would come to visit during holidays, I'm like, I, I want to be like at your hip because you're the cool uncle. And like, I want to hang out and we're going to throw the football and like, we're going to, you know, go fast in a car, like whatever that looks like, like you're the cool uncle. And I want to spend every minute I can with you because it doesn't happen often. And like, mm-hmm. if, if they had come and been like, F off kid. Like I would have, yeah, it would have been heartbreaking, man. Like I would have been the kid with the remote control boat in the pool in darkness. Yeah. Like I, that would have summed it, it up. It's sometimes hard to feel bad for the main character. Like in can of worms, we talked about how like it, it's hard to feel bad for Brink. It's hard to feel bad for. It is not yeah. hard to feel bad for Tommy. No, all. not at all. It's yeah. It's, there's a very clear separation of like what, what good and bad looks like in this movie. Right. It makes me, be very appreciative of Tommy's taste for vengeance later. Oh like, yeah. This, that this savageness is, is earned. Uh, yes. Like all of the things that Tommy does later is, is just so well earned, which yeah. is very, very nice. What really chapped me is that Tommy holds all the cards as you mentioned. And then he bails Michael out. Mm. He literally mm-hmm. bails Michael out and, the mom's like, hey, you guys are back early. How is Disneyland? And Tommy has, ev- like, if it were me, I'd be like, well, I didn't go because your son's a an asshole. That's not true, Alan. You absolutely would bail him out. Alan, you you are Tommy, mm-hmm. Alan. You <laughs> you would have done exactly what Tommy did. You, uh, I think maybe aspirationally. You would like to be the person. I think you, in your dreams, you're the person that would throw him down, you know, but, but the reality is you're, you would be Tommy in this scenario. And Tommy was like, it was exactly like I expected. And then leaves. Yeah. Cause he's like, and they notice they noticed the, like the tone shift, right? They're like, oh, he's not himself. But, um, but yeah, you don't get Tommy like throwing him out. He's a bigger person. He's, mm-hmm. he's the biggest person. In this moment, so just like you, but that's right. Mm-hmm. He's the, the best, best of us. Okay. Yeah. Ultimately, though, <laughs> Michael does get his comeuppance, which was so satisfying to watch play out over dinner. Like I, it was, it looked like an awkward dinner conversation because whenever Calabar looks at you like that, you either know you're about to get cursed or have or feel really bad about yourself or both. And in this instance, it was thank goodness Michael is getting all of this payoff. Like we we are there. Oh, it, it felt so satisfying. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I have to jump back one more time as we set that up, though, because, again, they do this like subtle line that's going to plant a seed. But 
this is the one that I had an issue with a little bit. So Michael goes and he picks up Tommy. They have the whole like you left, you know, does Tommy, uh, Tommy holds the cards, everything we just talked about. But the, the like moment that plants the seed for later is when Michael says like, I had to meet her dad. Like we were, we were betting on the horses and Tommy says like, you were at the horse track and Michael's like, yeah, and you know, animal abuse, like the whole thing, right? And this is gonna plant the seed. This movie's about horses, right? And so this plant the seed. My only issue with this is that am I supposed to believe that Michael doesn't know that Tommy and his family take care of horses? Like, is is that is I, that my like I, like I'm supposed to believe that he just isn't aware that they like care for horses? I think that he doesn't see anything abusive or wrong with horse racing. I don't think mm. he, I think Tommy's point is like, they treat horses badly, whether or not you believe that, but he, that's Tommy's point of view is these horses are not treated well. They should be, you know, he has wild horses on his land. I think Michael is naive and ignorant to the fact that t someone like Tommy would see horse racing as abusive, I guess, mm. as a kind of strong word for for horses so it's yeah. like i think it was an extra stat it was like salt in the wound for tommy because it's like you ditched me and you ditched me to go to a place where they're not kind to horses like yeah i i guess for me like i i agree with everything you just said i think as a reasonable human being as if i knew that my cousin's family cared for horses i would be like I'm not going to mention that I went to the horse track, right? Like it, it seems like an obvious thing, but obviously they're planting a seed for later. It's going to pay off when he connects with these horses. And I, I think it was fine. We actually haven't seen the horses up until this point on the ranch. We've only seen cattle and we've not actually paid off. But I mean, the movie's called Horse Sense. So we know that horses are going to play a big role in it. I think Michael's just not an idiot, stupid and a dumb dumb. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, we're gonna, we, and we're going to get more horse racing before this podcast is over because there's a whole horse racing decom to come. True. So. You're absolutely right, Alan. Uh, Tommy goes home and he reports to his mom. He doesn't, doesn't sell out Michael in the moment, but when he goes home, he tells his mom, like, I didn't do anything. Michael was sleeping or like not around he didn't take me to disney he didn't do any of the stuff and it was a waste of time and i should have been here whatnot and so his parents are, are pissed and then in the in the best like best or worst timing moment ever while his dad is railing him for uh being a horrible cousin the cops show up mm. uh to confront him about his insurance fraud Justice. And so you know out of the frying pan into the fire for michael he has now not only uh, been a horrible family member, he's also committed a crime and um, is <laughs> and gotten caught for it and gotten caught for it. And it, and is just showing a, a complete lack of responsibility that he, you know, it only cares about himself, that he doesn't care about anybody. That he's a liar. He's dishonest, which leads to. And dad, without talking to Aunt Jules at all, just telling him you're going to go stay with with your aunt for a month. Um, I hope she's okay with that. I, I would love it. She's like, could he not? Like, yeah, I wish I he wouldn't. TBH. I, Is there anywhere else you can send Juvie, perhaps? Like, yeah. no, just jail because he's done. We don't crime. have any money, so we can't pay for him to eat. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you just know, like the minute he gets off the plane in that stupid 
stupid fucking outfit. I loved that outfit so much. It was so perfectly LA meets Montana. Yeah. Like it was like, I'm going to a ranch, but I don't know how to dress. So I'm going to go to like Nordstrom or Bloomingdale's and buy a Western themed outfit. Well, the Gina establishes that those boots, the boots are, are Gucci. Gucci. Yeah, they're Gucci boots. A yeah. little bit later, Ooh. so yeah. so his boots cost more than that ranch, basically. <laughs> but, <they're laughs> but like, he also when he finds out he's gonna go, when they're like, "You're gonna go spend a month on that ranch," you get this like face zoom in of him, like dead eyes staring just past camera, and he goes. <laughs> Montana like <laughs> like it's just he has seen the end of the world in that moment of like god no not Montana like I want to say one more thing about about Calabar before we really dig into the ranch and that's he basically is like I'll just pull money out of my trust fund and fix the car and I'll pay uh, to fly Tommy back yeah. out and his dad's like you're a piece of shit like you can't get out of things as easily you can't talk your way out of stuff like you can't do things you can't take shortcuts like and that lays more groundwork for well and it leads to alan sort of led this way already but he had told his dad it was a hit and run accident (laughs) and and when his dad's like you told me it's a hit and run he's like well technically i hit her and then i ran to get tommy and i was like man that is like peak you're a dick like it is like Uh. Peak, I use words to literally justify anything in my life. And like, yeah, I lied to you. And here's why that's an accurate lie. I I didn't lie. You just misinterpreted what I said because you yeah. thought I meant they hit me and ran. But what I meant was I hit them and ran. Like... This that is on you. It's yeah. your fault. It's really your fault. You didn't interpret my words correctly. Uh, not that I misled you in any way. <laughs> so we have him go to Montana and where, he, again, they do such a really good job of setting, like of just showing him being the fish out of water. The outfit, of course, him saying, I'm going to go play cowboy, which chapped me for something. Like, I was like, I hate that. That's not great. And then when I saw Tommy look at Michael in this moment, and I was like, Tommy's about to fuck your whole world up. And yeah. I'm here for it. He, Bring the pain. He had that plan. Yeah, because dad established that not only are you going to go work here for a month, but you know that European trip you want to go on with your old girlfriend. If there is any negative report at all uh, from Aunt Jules or from Tommy, your ass is grass and you're not going to Europe. And so Michael not only has to go for a month, literally he has to do whatever they say and not step out of line at all or he doesn't get to go to Europe. So uh, yeah, Tommy, I think sees full um, advantage. He, he sees all the ways that this can play in his benefit. We also, in this intro to Montana, learned something I didn't know about Montana, which was that they don't drink coffee there. Did you, did you know that they don't drink coffee in Montana? That this is new. new information to me. I did think that was interesting because he says, can I get a latte? And she says, there's no coffee houses. And then he says, what about a soda? And she says, there's a diner. So why didn't she just say, there's no coffee houses, but you can get a regular cup of coffee at the diner? At the diner. Yeah. Well, they don't serve coffee at the diner, Molly. That's, it, it, I, again, I Montana can, is a coffee-free state. I can never go to Montana. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm I wouldn't survive too. in Montana. Yeah. Diner, coffee house, Starbucks, there's none of that 
in Montana. Well, you're not going to find any coffee here. Although he then at breakfast is like, I'll just stick with the coffee. So maybe I'm. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they smuggled it in. Yeah, yeah they flew. He, he paid to fly some in from California. Yeah, exotic the home of The home of his coffee. Yeah. Mm. He had to have it, he otherwise he wouldn't be doing it. He smuggled a can of Folgers plane. <laughs> That's part yeah, of waking yeah. up. Well, you know, when you go into Montana, you have to go through customs, and they they look at any they look for coffee specifically. It's not allowed mm-hmm. in the state. So it, yeah. artwork and coffee. It's those two things on the list that you cannot bring. Artwork. Into, yeah, 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 yeah. The foreign art. You don't want to bring that into. <laughs> Why, would you Why wouldn't you say like drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no, those are welcome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't know if you know much about Montana. I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> uh, but I said it with confidence, and that's what matters. I would like to go there for real. It looks pretty, but oh yeah, that part of the country is beautiful. It yeah, ag- agreed. Stunning. We have Michael at the ranch. The first thing that Tommy does, and I think this is just brilliant. This time, is like, let me show you how to work. The satellite, along with mm-hmm. introducing some things about the house, like it coming over on a covered wagon and family stuff. And this is obviously going to pay off later, but that's that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about here's how you work the satellite. Here's how you watch TV. I'm going to go to bed. Michael's like, but the sun isn't even dying. He's like, I got, listen, I'm tired. It's been a long day. I've been working all day, but you, you can stay up as long as you want, buckaroo. Feel free. I'm going to go to bed, stay up, watch some TV on the satellite. I'm outie and bails. And I was just like, this man is an evil genius. I love Tommy. Because the payoff is the next morning, him being woken up with the triangle. Oh, yeah. Big dinner bell kind of triangle looking thing. You're like, yes, Tommy is going to mess up. Michael's like, if you don't get up, I've got your dad's cell number memorized and his office number. So balls in your court, bud. And, and, And Michael realizes like, oh. Fuck. I'm screwed. Like it is in this moment where he he starts to understand. Well, you also have met the ranch hands at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mule yes. and Twister. All right. Twister, it might be his God-given name, but I'm calling him Mustache. That man has a brilliant <laughs> a glorious mustache. mustache. Speaking and- of God-given names, it's when Mule gets introduced <laughs> and, oh! and Michael says... Who gave you that name? And he says, my great-grandfather. And you hear Jules off camera go, Michael. (laughs) He's like, sorry, I thought it was a nickname. Oh, God. It's just a casual racism. It's just the casual casual sexism. You know, it's the casual racism. But what's interesting about Mule is that he is actually played by someone named Steve. Oh, it's happening. Oh, it's happening. Steve Revis. (sighs) And I saw Mule and I thought... He looks familiar, and I realized it's because he's in The Longest Yard, the remake mm. of The Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler movie. He plays Babyface Bob. Okay. Great film. Uh, alongside him in The Longest Yard, you have William Fitchner. He plays Captain Knauer, who's one of the guards, one of the bad guys. He is in the hit film Armageddon as oh. Colonel Sharp. Uh, alongside him in Armageddon, one of my favorite funny guys, Owen Wilson. Oh, I think we've mentioned him before. We know yeah, Owen Wilson. Yeah. We know Owen Wilson well. And my favorite Owen Wilson role is when he's in Wedding Crashers. Mm. He, he plays John in Wedding Crashers. And who would John be without Jeremy? Sure. Played by none other than Vince Vaughn. And did you know that Vince Vaughn's first 
film role, he was actually an uncredited soldier in a film called For the Boys. It came out in 1991, starring one of our favorites, Bette Midler. Oh, and I, I love Bette Midler, and I loved when she voiced Georgette, the ritzy poodle in Oliver and Company. Aha. Uh-huh. And the same little girl, Jenny, that has Georgette, she adopts a little kitten. And that little kitten's name is Oliver. Yeah. Oliver was voiced by Joey Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we made it, everybody. We did it. Also, I had no idea that Joey Lawrence was Oliver from I didn't either. Company. I had no idea that, and that when I, that's wild to me. Yeah, I had to read it. Like I was like, Joey Lawrence, not... Matthew Lawrence, Joey, the older one. But I guess it was 11 years before this movie came out. So he would have been like nine, which makes yeah, it makes sense. sense. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, there you go. You've been Armageddon. You've, yeah. Cue the editor. You've been Armageddon. The part of the show where Molly by no one's urging has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. Well, but, but. All that to say, I actually really like Twister and Mule because yeah. they know all about Michael. Tommy's told them all about it, and they are here for the shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Twister in particular is a hard ass, and he's a, like a rough yeah. around the edges guy, so he's not going to put up with any kind of bullshit. He says boots are boots. Like, I don't give a shit how much you spend on your boots. Yeah. And uh, it really establishes this nice kind of family unit between jules and tommy and mule and twister especially since the dads passed away they they're a family unit that works hard to run this ranch by the way we haven't mentioned this but uh single parent counter this Click is it up. we're there i Click mean it up. dad uh, is dead know, it is well is, established that dad yeah, is dead it is a uh, an important part of the movie is that dad has been uh lost so they keep going back to that well and it just keeps getting more and more sad. Like every time they go oh, back, yeah. they're, they're peeling back layers of that onion. And you're just like, oh, God, it gets worse. Oh, no. Oh, we're here again. And like they keep mentioning this thing was my dad's. This tree house that yeah. r- remains to be constructed was a project between Tommy and his dad. The wild horses bring luck because that's what dad said. And dad named all the wild horses. And one of the horses name is Tommy boy. And then my heart got ripped out of my chest because it's definitely not meant to be the comedy. It's meant to be his son called Tommy boy, which you presume is a nickname. And now I'm crying. One yeah. of the horses named Jules too. Yeah. Oh God. The queen. She's his first girl. His first girl. Speaking of naming the horses that were jumping ahead a little bit, but I had to laugh because the horses' names go from really sweet and sentimental, like Jules and Tommy Boy, to like spots. Yeah. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> they range from like human names and yeah. like ridiculous animal names. And yeah. it just made me laugh because he'd be listing them all and he'd be like Sadie, Gunther, Jules, Cheyenne, Cheyenne, Cinnamon, Spots. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, Pick a lane. They're, they're they're anywhere from sentimental to stripper names and like and, and anything in between, right? Like like they are they, and like it's awesome. I I love it. I I think it's uh, you know I, because I imagine I I can I can picture I've I've lived this world where there are days you know because Tommy talks about like Dad and I used to sit up here every day and we would look out the horses and you know some days they're up there and they're like. Hey, there's a new horse. What's the name? And 
and they've had a like a good easy day. Dad's like, hmm, you know, I think that horse, I'm going to name that horse Tommy Boy because he kind of looks, you know, he reminds me he's energetic and, and he, he's having fun. And he reminds me of you, Tommy. And then other days, Tommy's like, Dad, there's a new horse. What should we name it? Dad's like, dude, I don't give a shit. His name is Spots. He's got a spot <laughs> and his name is Spots. I'm like, will you shut the hell up about these horses right like like there are like you can just feel the like level of investment dad has had in these names as he named them this whole movie is just foreshadowing like this whole oh, movie yeah. everything oh, that happens yeah. i'm like that's gonna come back that and like of course the horses are gonna come back um but a question i had for you guys as non-horse people yeah. they they refer multiple times to a three color paint does mm. that make sense to you i've uh, I'm gonna short answer is I don't know, but I'm gonna guess. Yeah. Is that a horse that has multiple colors in its coat? Kind yeah, I mean I mean they show the horse in question and it's like white with some brown spots and some and like yeah, some different color. I interpreted that as uh, a plethora of colors in its in its um hide or in its um skin. Coat. But, Coat, coat, coat. Is it, yeah, is, okay. yeah, yeah. They, honestly, they, Max, thank you for also guessing because I literally like rolled the dice. Well, I was like, I'm gonna roll the dice. What I'm gonna call it, and then they I kept coat. saying that three color paint. I think it's gonna join the herd, and I was like, non horse people probably don't know what that means, but yeah, yeah. They do a close up on it, and you can yeah. see that its pattern is a little bit different, and and it stands out from the others. Although I don't know how it's meaningfully different than spots, but well, um, that, spots <laughs> is an Appaloosa, and it all is what the coat looks like so little spots almost like dappily looking spots are called appaloosas and that's what spots uh-huh. would be but a okay. paint is like those big almost cow print spots where it's like oh okay big um a lot of times when you picture like native americans riding horses they're riding paint horses um mm. so the fact that it's a three color paint it's probably like white black and brown which hmm. is why it's rare they kept interesting so i i you what i've learned is that paint is not just a way of saying like there are three colors in its coat which is the way i would have interpreted it like it was painted with three colors right what you're saying is that that specific pattern Mm -hmm. is called a paint yep and it having three colors means but it could be a two color paint but but by being a paint it's always going to have those large spots in the pattern it's not like uh, a different pattern that happens to be three colors that would be a different thing yep interesting that's correct because like his horse that he ends up riding black lightning has two colors on him because he's got white on his face and he's a short he's a black horse but he it all comes down to what their coat looks like and there's different markings and things but a paint specifically refers to like those big spots of different colors and most paints are either brown and white or chestnut and white which is kind of that auburny color but the Mm -hmm, fact that it's mm -hmm. a three color paint is like the big deal Hmm. yeah interesting there's and some this horse is a, facts for you horse facts this horse has been facts. your uh, horse education for this part of the horse sense podcast well because they also talk about another horse and they call it a bay and i was like horse non-horse people don't know what that is either but a brown horse it's not called B-A. brown b-a-y although it could have been my, my bay it could have been bay it could have been, been his bay i got you i, yeah. I, I, I heard you man yeah. i heard yeah. you yeah. <laughs> i just thought he meant it was his bay it, i mean it might be his bay but i mean it yeah. was his horse but horse people don't say it's brown it's bay like interesting that's the color 
Now you mentioned Black Lightning. Black and, Lightning. Yeah. I do love me some Black and Lightning. And Michael, uh, after a first day of shoveling shit. Which and, is so uh, good because he doesn't tell him there's a tractor. <laughs> And Michael just starts hand scooping the manure. How and then everybody's like, dipshit, there's a tractor right there. Like, yeah. he has a white shirt on. And it does not get messy until, well, until he literally he eats shit. Yeah. He literally <laughs> eats shit. Like, he, he does not, which is, like, mystifying to me is, like, how many white shirts did they have on set? Because you know, you know that that's oh, going to yeah, get every everywhere take. regardless. Every, every take. Every take. And then, yeah. like, I, I understand it's for comedic effect, right? Like, it's so clean, crisp and white. And then he falls and literally eats shit. Like, that, I get it. Like, for the comedic effect. But also for me, just looking at, like, as a reasonableist, just going, that doesn't add up but also got him i mean he bought the gucci 10 pack of that tank top so (laughs) he's he's always wearing one of those white tanks so it is uh you know easy i I think you're right i think it's a it's a good start contrast to the hard work and it's supposed to show like he's he's pristine and clean versus i'm working hard and and my shirt's stained and and the whole deal they also Again, a kind of a throwaway, but there's a bowl there. And well, so I wanted they, to ask you, Malls, yeah. is he, we, yeah, they establish the bowl. They show him kind of ram up against the fence when he's shoveling the shit. It's, it's the, like one of the, again, another trick that, uh, that Tommy plays on Michael because he doesn't tell him the tractor's back there. I thought you would have seen it. It's right there. And, uh, and you, again, are getting like, okay, this kid's a savage. But the next day, he is going to go riding with them. Tommy's like, we're going to get you set up on Slingshot. Slingshot's going to take care of you. Going to be a good ride. And Michael's like, that horse looks sick. It looks like it's got the horrible wine. One One foot foot in in the the glue factory. factory. Yeah. Yeah. Like brutal thing to say while you're on a farm that holds horses. Yeah. Horrible. And uh, he's like, I want to ride that one. And uh, and Tommy says, well, we call that black. And, And so he decides to ride. So. I had a reaction to this, Molly, as somebody that has, again, not a ton, but family friends had horses, rode horses. What is your reaction to Tommy letting somebody that doesn't ride horses onto a horse that he knows is strong Ooh. and kicks like shit and puts him on there? And then what happened? What's your reaction as you're watching that scene? My first thought was you should not let that man get on with spurs. Yeah. No shot. Somebody that does not know how to ride a horse. Should they be wearing spurs? Because exactly what's going to happen is what happens. They, he should have a helmet on, which I'm sure he would think he's too cool to wear a helmet, but he should absolutely have a helmet on. And I mean, this is a little like he could get really hurt. Like, yeah, that's my thought too. Is like, he could really get hurt here. Really get hurt. Like, He's being a dick about it and is like, oh, you want to lead me around? And like, because Tommy does say like, oh, I'll walk you around to get used to him. But that's just him baiting him again. That's just him 100%. baiting him to say yeah. like. And he this reveals- is the moment where Tommy is like savage to the point of injury. Is yeah. like, <laughs> there is a difference. This, there's a difference between like, oh, I thought you would have seen the tractor to like. I'm going to potentially really injure you. Like those are very different things. And Tommy Mm -hmm. doesn't, you don't see that concern in his eyes until Michael falls in the bullpen. At that point, he's like, Oh, I might've fucked up. Like he, uh, (laughs) it suddenly is a problem, but yeah, 
It's, it's, I mean, yeah, he could have really gotten hurt because there's no shot he's going to stay on when that horse was bucking to begin with. No, and no. then he miraculously does, but he falls off into the bullpen yeah. <laughs> with the bull, which by the way, he didn't give enough respect earlier. Like Tommy's sure. like, don't mess with the bull. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, no, you fucking you idiot. Do mess not with mess bull. with that bull. You'll get yeah. the horns. Like, yes. Yeah. Like my, my grandparents had a farm. We had a bull called big boy. You did not mess with big boy. Like literally anything could set that that bowl off. Like it, it's like oh, it's the color red. No, it's not. It's because you piss them off. Like you just you just make them mad, and you don't know it makes them mad. It could be a breeze. I remember sit like I have vivid memories of sitting in the bed of a Ford F one fifty and driving by the bullpen, and one second big boy's chill, the next second big boy opposite of chill, literally full charging the gate. So falling into a bullpen, very dangerous, especially when you've already agitated the bull. I do want to say, I want to give Michael a little credit here because Michael gets out, he jumps out in the nick of time, he doesn't get murdered by the bull. And then Tommy goes, I thought you knew how to ride. And I'm like, he rode pretty well considering yeah. that horse is bucking his ass off. Like <laughs> he didn't fall off until the horse like slammed on the brakes and he like flew over the front end of the horse. But I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, so, until, until ass over tea kettle. He, he did uh, pretty well. But then some point he calls Gina and he's like, this place is this race on the horse. Yeah. So they, no, they no, he- this is before he's walking around because he calls it Pooresville, USA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that is your family's house. And it's huge and it has a huge amount of land. Like, they are, I understand they're having financial troubles, but like, they don't live in like a shanty town. Well, like, they live that yet on a beautiful ranch and you don't even know they're having money problems yet. And you're calling it Pooresville, USA. Oh, I remember the line you, you're talking about. I have, a, I have a similar thought a little bit later, but I thought I heard Boresville. Like, like mm. boring. Oh, like I'm bored. Yeah. I heard. Boresville, USA. I, I, heard I, I think either one is good. I, I, yeah. 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 Later when he's with Gina and he like helps with the horse, they, they say like, let a professional do it. And then he does it and they, and he gets this look like, like Gina has this look of like, are you a poor? <laughs> like, <laughs> how is it that you. Are you a poor person that you are, can handle that horse? Are, I, are you a handler now? I, like, do you, what you is do, that? You do manual work? I ill. Ill. Manual work is ill. They go after we have this entire thing. Should have just ridden slingshot. They take slingshot up into the woods because they're supposed to monitor the herd or of cattle for wolves that the neighbors saw. So the mustache tells. Michael, that he has to take first watch because, and I quote, I don't want you to fall asleep, so I'm going to give you the first watch, so that way you don't. Cut to Michael on his cell phone in Montana getting great reception in 1999. cell service? Yeah, it's a great question. It's I barely get cell service when I visit my family in Iowa now. Yeah. Then, Ugh. with that phone, Absolutely no shot. Not. No, no shot. shot. Talking about it, and this is when we start to see... So, like the seeds in this scene, the seeds are being planted of Michael showing growth because he's like, look at the stars. You don't see these stars in Beverly Hills. And this is when she's like, but pat attention to Matt. 
I'm the most important map. She's like, you know what star you see in Beverly Hills? Uh, my friend Rachel's going on a date with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was and like, no shot. And all I could think was like, well, you're what, 20? Yeah, that would be the right age to go out with Leonardo DiCaprio. That, that sounds right. <laughs> I, I think that's too old. No, he, he like, well, maybe at this point. He, he... I think he would have been in his mid. He would have been in his like mid twenties right now. Yeah, he. I, I believe the the stats say that like no matter how Leo has aged, he's never dated someone over twenty five. Yeah. So it's like as long as you're under twenty five, you're safe for Leo. So if she's <laughs> twenty, I think we're good to go. And I am just saying, good for her. This is the this is the peak of Leonardo DiCaprio. This is two years after Titanic. This is like Romeo and Juliet. Right this is Man in Iron Mask. This is like peak leo so good for rachel yeah hey good for living her best life she won't be around long in his life but i mean good for her for it's that moment it's not here for a long time just here for a good time that's right um, so gina gets pissed that michael's not paying attention to her and she hangs up on him then she calls immediately back because she has to have attention and this is the only way she's she misses him she misses him after three seconds and the phone ringing causes his horse to, to to become frightened and then through its bleating through its neighing set off the cattle into a stampede and then this moron calls 911 that's true 911 what's your emergency there's a stampede where's the stampede behind me a classic a classic yeah yeah but of course, uh, the rest of Mule and Twister and Jules and Tommy show up and uh, we learn that the cattle, luckily, they got them all back, but they destroyed part of the fence. Mm-hmm. And not all the fence, part of the fence. And uh, Michael's going to have to work with Twister to get it all uh, yes. rebuilt, fixed, which leads to the next little trick Tommy's going to pull on Michael where he says, hey, you just got to take these posts and put them in the truck. And I, at this point, (laughs) thought to myself, is this ranch designed to be a trick room? Because yes, these posts just happen to be next to a truck that Tommy sort of gestures to. And he said, kind of like when he gestures to the manure pile and there's a shovel in it. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have to move that to there. And it sort of implies that this is how you're going to do that. He sort of gestures and I like, put the, put the post in the truck. Right. And uh, after Michael moves them all, we find out, of course, that truck doesn't move. It doesn't work, which you could have surmised by looking at it. But um, <laughs> then Mule goes, no, look over here. There's a real working truck just behind that building, just like that tractor was earlier. <laughs> <laughs> or I you mean, better move that barn. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ty Pennington. <laughs> <laughs> what a good cut to the early 2000s. I just am like, at this point, would he not have asked for more clarification? Because yeah, he is, hasn't learned at all. Like this is a little on Michael at this point because now four times he's just done what Tommy said without any asking any clarifying questions, and it turns out. He did need to ask those. It's just those like, questions. Exactly. At a certain point, like it's kind of on you, bro. Like just use your brain. But now, granted, you get a D in most subjects, I assume. So your brain might not function the way we want it to. But just literally, Tommy goes, "The keys are in the truck." If you had taken thirty seconds less to walk to the window of that 
clearly beat to shit truck and looked inside and be like, there are no keys in here. Probably not the truck. Maybe I should go look for the truck. Like that, that's all it takes. Instead, he's like, I must move these logs. Is he Russian into, now? Yeah, he's yeah, Russian. Now Michael's a Russian Michael's man Michael's a now. Russian man. So he gets mad because he got got again by an 11 year old and he <laughs> drives up to yell at Tommy and he's like, fine, you only got 28 more days. And I'm like, he's only been there for two days. <laughs> <laughs> to which we are like an hour into this movie. Like we are. <laughs> all, all of that, the horse shit, the riding, the staying up late with the satellite, the wolf thing, the stamping, all of that has been in literally 48 hours. And I'm yeah. like what <laughs> oh man yeah it's so true and then they're just gonna skip the rest of it like yeah. it, we're like, gonna montage it real quick can we skip to the good part wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and we're gonna get the tiktok of that because <laughs> i guess now is when we get him talking to Aunt jules and he finds out they actually are or no oh, twisters no, no, no. the Twister one tells him yeah mustache has to come in because see, michael says some actual hurtful shit to tommy oh, and tommy yeah that part's so mean yeah michael like yeah. is like you're just a kid. The only reason I hung out with you is because you're the only other person there under the age of 30. I have zero interest in this. Like, just leave me alone. And he was like, I, they, they, have a, they have a dialogue that's mostly just Michael being an asshole and Tommy actually, like, verbalize, you know, verbalizing his feelings as he has this, instead of just pulling one over on a 20-year-old for the last two days. And we get to this section where Twister, backslash mustache, comes up to Michael and is like, Tommy was right about you. You really don't know anything. You really don't care about anybody but yourself. You don't even care that they're about to lose the farm. This is sort of the gut punch for Michael because Michael's like, wait, what? Why didn't they tell me? And I remember specifically Mustache saying, well, because they didn't think you'd care, which right. true. He just found you, you sleeping on a car. Yeah. I mean, you've shown that in everything you've done. So literally up. when Aunt Jules is trying to talk to him about Tommy struggling without his dad, he falls asleep. So yeah. like... Yeah, that, that adds there's up. There's no care. Yeah, there's no care. But that, then, somehow, he repairs that fence on his own. In 28 days. Without, thirst trap montage. <laughs> like, I, 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 it, it was a thirst trap. Like, zoom in on Joey Lawrence, white Swe- tank, sweaty. sweaty muscles, doing physical work with a cowboy hat on. He's like... Look at me handling a pole. Ta- you know, like he's, he's like, <laughs> he's like I, I, I can handle the wood. You know, like he's, he's out here like oh doing God. physical labor. I like, just want to know how he learned to repair a fence. It's like cranking. He read there's it in the no YouTube. Wire. He read it in the script. But there's yeah. no, like literally how, how did he learn to do that? He didn't. I Who mean, Twister, try- Twister said, it's not that hard. Take out the broken ones, put in the. Put in the new ones. It's I'm fixing. Fin- I'm sure you could figure that out. Is what Twister says. So I'm just saying. I don't think I'd trust him to build the fence. I don't. Think I mean, I, I don't would disagree with you. Think it would be structurally sound. Like <laughs> no, at all. And this this section is when we get Michael and Tommy talking about and going through the horse names. This is when that scene. Yeah. This is when we get the them up the on the ridge, looking over the horses, and we learn. And they do accept the three color paint. We learn. Yeah. You know, and he says, my dad always said they were lucky. I guess he was wrong. You know, we have a, we have a nice um, heartfelt moment between the two of them where Michael says he's, he was sorry. He, he did ha- enjoy hanging out with him at the family reunion. And he, you know, is sorry that 
they're going to lose the farm. And they talk about the bank because kids love banking issues. They do. Mm -hmm. do. That's what we've learned. He also, Michael, has uh, an epiphany where he says, Mm -hmm. this is why you don't like horse racing. And I'm like, yeah, dumbass. It took until this moment. Like you now you've been on the ranch and like this is the moment where you're like, I I get it now. I Mm. understand. I've seen the this is why you don't like horse racing. Mm. But then we cut to one of my favorite scenes, which is just Joey Lawrence galloping through the field. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he suddenly knows how to ride on a different horse, by the way. That's not slingshot or black lightning. It's a completely new horse. And he's just galloping like he's become that good of an equestrian yeah. in 28 days that he can go yeah. from barely being able to stay on to just galloping across the field and then probably during this gallop he has an idea oh, and no. it's a multi-level marketing scheme that's right he's gonna he wants a pyramid <laughs> scheme is gonna save the farm because he did he didn't go to calabar he started there he said can we take the money of Halloween town and, <laughs> and finance this ranch. We have endless cash. You're a wizard. So you can just make money. Can mm-hmm. we take that and finance the farm? And Calabar is like, I tried, uh, and Jules won't take the money. She He's left like, Halloween town. I tried, whatever. but Debbie Reynolds stopped my scheme. <laughs> 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 and those kids, those annoyed kids came wait, and wait. they ruined everything. <laughs> Halloween Town 2? Like, are we already doing the grand reveal <laughs> no, now? No, I think, I think looking at it from a different angle, Calabar actually was trying to take over Halloween Town to raise enough money to, finance to save the ranch. his sister-in-law's <laughs> farm. And we just saw it from a totally different angle. If not for those meddling kids, I could have paid for the ranch, but unfortunately, I can't. It's, it's all Marnie's fault. Yeah, and oh, so, God. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Michael tries another bit of wizardry called a pyramid scheme that's right <laughs> yeah not he, ex- he explains it to twister twister's like i don't get it and it's like correct pyramid <laughs> yeah <scheme laughs> <makes no sense. laughs> twister, twister's like yeah that doesn't sound legal and it's like yeah right you get it and and uh <laughs> he watched the lulu row documentary so he i knew. just love that his answer was like hey i know nobody here has any money but what we need is we need somebody to give us fifteen hundred dollars and then we need somebody to give them fifteen hundred dollars and twister's like they had fifteen hundred dollars they just give us the money and he's like no, no, no you don't understand it's a pyramid I'm like the illuminati says uh, it's, I'm, I'm learning that kids love insurance fraud yeah. banking and mlms yeah Those that's are right things yeah. that kids understand and that are good things to put in family oh my god so funny well, you know what's not funny? The next couple of scenes that we get. Are you going to talk about the treehouse? I'm going to talk about the treehouse. Oh. So oh, it is Jesus. established that Tommy is working on this treehouse that is very incomplete. If I were to put it into a fraction, it's maybe a quarter done. And the the th- prevailing thought is that Tommy is trying to finish the treehouse that he and his dad started before they are forced to move out of the ranch because the bank is going to foreclose on the ranch and auction away all of their possessions which you've sort of seen that happen throughout the film thus far. It's like the auctioneers will come in and be like, what do you want? We want that, 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 and that. And then those are marked for sale, which is already gut-wrenching. And Tommy and his mother leave to go to town, I guess. I, it's un, unclear. They're going where, to a barbecue. Going to a barbecue? All right, they're going to a barbecue. And you, you assume that a barbecue in Montana takes four hours. I'm just going to assign it four hours. And it's light when they leave and light when they get back. Yep. So it... 
Couldn't have been that long. Yep, not not. I'm gonna long. guess that there's potato salad at that barbecue though. Because mm-hmm. sure. if I know anything about a Western, fair there's guess. There's coleslaw, baked beans, yeah. and potato salad. Guaranteed. Fair guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Barbecue big old big old beef brisket, probably. I imagine mm, sounds mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I mean, I bet I bet eating in Montana is good. Good, For yeah, sure. it's good. No turkey bacon there, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, bacon comes from a good. pig, son. Yeah, <laughs> that jerky. It ain't turkey. <laughs> it ain't that turkey. It ain't turkey either. Yeah. Must God, yeah. I love. I want to be mustache when I grow up. That's what I want to yeah. be. I, I like this as a follow-up to your fence question though, Molly, which is what I've learned is that when Michael actually does physical labor, he is not only incredibly gifted, he's very efficient as well. Because yeah, he built they, the whole go, he, they go to that barbecue and and the city slicker that we've established has never done physical work just finishes the owl in in three hours time like Why he, he does the whole treehouse builds everything puts all the walls on constructs all the all the fence posting everything is done that tommy a very skilled worker has been working on for a while now uh he just finishes it to the dismay of tommy like tommy is back and this is actually a gut-wrenching scene I, Tommy running up be like that was my dad and mine and you're just like oh no I mean this is the this is when you get to see Tommy as a kid this is intended to oh, show yeah. you that Tommy yeah. is a kid he's suffering through losing a, a parent and it's still very much affecting him despite him trying to like bury all of that below this like hardworking adult growing up sort of sort of thing and that's really hard to watch like that yeah. is a that's a tough series of scenes and it's it's I think for me, it's when you're not only watching Tommy go through that, but Michael and Jules are like having this sort of very awkward interaction where Jules is like, I know you're trying to do something nice. Like her son's having this response and Michael is just at a certain point, he's just kind of like holding up his hands. Like, I don't know what, what to do. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's a very tough spot to be in. Then Michael makes the logical decision. Uh, he, he chooses the perfect person to call for support in this time. And he rings Gina mm-hmm. because Gina has proven to be an incredible support system. She's really thus far. empathetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very understanding. And this is when we find out that uh, Gina's friend Rachel is going to go out with Leo because Rachel's very impatient and when it's being buzzed in, while Michael has been trying to get off the phone for what feels like hours now, the minute, and Gina won't let him, the minute Rachel shows up, Gina drops Michael like a bag of bricks and mm-hmm. uh, goes to hang out with Leo because, again, she's one dimensional. And we get another series of. It's not necessarily a montage, but you get like this moment of Michael once again in that white tank top looking mm-hmm. out over the hills. And he sees these the wild horses riding over the hills. And you know what he does? He remembers their names. He knows yeah, every he does. single horse's name. Yeah, he does. Cinnamon, Cheyenne, Jules. But where's Tommy Boy? Where is Tommy Boy? Well, Tommy is riding on the horse because Tommy Boy is stuck. He's looking for Twister. But he can't find him, so Michael will have to do in this moment. Tommy Boy is in trouble. He's stuck in the mud like that horse in the never-ending story. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, oh. God. 
This was yeah. also like you were Molly. You like were that, uncomfortable. I know. It's except for spoiler alert. It ends much better. Yeah. Oh. There is a there is a continuity problem here. I don't know if you noticed it, but he Michael gains a shirt in this he scene does. cut when <laughs> when Tommy when Tommy rolls up. Michael's standing in his classic white his tank, glorious, and he Haynes wife beater yeah, tank. He 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 leaps onto the back of Tommy's horse, and they go riding off together. And the next cut is them kind of coming toward camera and Michael has on uh, a short sleeve button up opened that is yeah, kind of breezing the in the wind. And I was like, well, he didn't have that before. Like it wasn't <laughs> over. Okay, over the that's tank fun. I'm, yeah. I'm, over the tank. Over the I'm tank, sorry. Yeah. I called it a wife beater. Uh, so then they, yeah, they get to Tommy boy, which he is in the mud and, and stuck and they have to, they have to get him out. And, and sorry, I jumped in there, but Malls, you said you were a little was, uncomfortable watching I, this. I was very stressed. I mean, yeah. I know this is a decom and that the horse is fine, but going to be fine. Yeah. I Although was, never ending story is a kid's movie. I'm like, yeah, it also, horse isn't fine. And it also gave me big shadow in Homeward Bound and shadow mm. stuck in the mud. It gives you that energy. And even though I have seen this movie and I know the horse is going to be fine, it's still, I don't like watching an animal like in yeah. an uncomfortable Struggle. situation. Yeah. Um, I do have one <laughs> issue with this scene. If it is as urgent as you are saying it's urgent, don't slow-mo this scene. I don't need slow-mo. I don't need you to pan the camera and show the horse struggling well, that's, slowly. That's the horse sense. Mm. Oh. When it's he like has, Spidey sense. But horses. Yeah. My favorite. Horses. My issue with this scene, Michael puts a rope around Tommy so Tommy can wade through the mud yeah. so that they can then put the, the lasso around Tommy boy, the horse. Yeah. And it's, pull It's him. a confusing yeah. scene to explain. <laughs> and then Tommy, the child, can then get on his horse... <laughs> And the end of the lasso is around the saddle horn, and then they're going to be able to pull the big, yeah. the horse, Tommy Boy, the yeah. horse out. Yeah. You get it. You get it. <laughs> you get but it. You're following. The whole thing is that Tommy Boy. Yeah, the- all all characters named Tommy will have a, a lasso around yeah. them by the end of this scene. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. Everyone will be covered in mud. Horse Tommy, everyone- <laughs> person Tommy, will both have a lasso around their bodies at some point in this scene. <laughs> and and <laughs> the point is, Tommy Boy, the horse, is stuck in the mud, and he can't uh-huh. get out. Uh-huh. And that wild horse is stress easy and he could drown and he could uh-huh. tire himself out, whatever. But Michael keeps saying, be careful to Tommy, the human. And Tommy, the human goes, he won't hurt me. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. He's fucking stuck. He can't hurt you. <laughs> he literally can't move to hurt uh, you. Like mm-hmm. you're acting all brave. And he was brave. He did a great job, but it's like, he he can't hurt you. He's, he's not stuck very yeah. in the mud. Tommy Human. Tommy he, Human is very not graceful getting into this mud. Oh no, he just <laughs> his belly flops in. <laughs> Tommy Human does just a full. Tommy belly Human. Flop. <laughs> Tommy horse. Tommy horse is stuck. Tommy Human belly flops. <laughs> belly flopping in, and then but then we get this really nice moment where after Tommy Human keeps saying Tommy Horse won't hurt him, he like. It like the tone of the movie completely shifts and the music goes from dramatic to like beautiful wind whispering, almost something you'd hear in Dances with Wolves or the Horse Whisperer Uh because he's petting the horse and the wild horse isn't freaking out. And it's like, this is the horse sense. Yeah, right. 
It is, it is, you know, as we talk about Tommy, I, I'm struck by Tommy Boy is a confusing name because there is a boy named Tommy. And, and <laughs> Tommy Boy the human. <laughs> Tommy Boy is a horse. Is a horse. Imagine boy, Tommy's Tommy last is name is horse. Right? Imagine. <laughs> Tommy the boy and Tommy Boy. Yeah. Oh, and, and, the, and, and, and Tommy the boy's name is Tommy Horse or Tommy Colt maybe would be uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing there's Tommy boy the horse and Tommy Colt yeah, the human oh, you know oh, but uh, oh, the continent the continent <laughs> you good? You good? Did Tommy Colt really get you there? The continuity issue I saw is that the horse gets out of the mud and then they keep saving the horse out of the mud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it gets, literally, there's a jump cut where it's running out of the mud and they're like, and then they're like, get back keep in. Pulling, we got it. And I was like, the horse in. is already out. But then they cut back to it and he's back in the mud. So I, oh, yeah, that was my God. But all that to say. <sighs> This is it. By the time they get back after saving, after Tommy the boy saves Tommy boy, they get back and now he's almost missed his flight. Michael has transformed that much that he's gone from not being able to stand being there and wanting to get out of there as soon as possible to almost missing his flight because he's rescuing a wild horse with his cousin. No, Molly, I think this, if Michael hasn't changed show, it's always late to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> they have established that character. Right. Yeah, you're right. Whatever, whatever the reason is, he's just late to airports, right? Like he's, <laughs> that is he's always same. late well, to Honestly, airports. same. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. For whatever reason there might be. And then we get a beautiful scene where you have Michael driving back with Jules to the airport, Tommy on a horse, not... Tommy the human on a horse, <laughs> not Tommy imagine? boy. Tommy, he's not on Tommy boy though. He's on <laughs> not on Tommy boy. But can you imagine Tommy boy the horse on another horse? That's a different film. Horse, it's like horseception of like, and then Tommy Colt the human riding Tommy boy the horse on another horse. A clown like, car, man. Yeah. So he got Tommy the human boy riding a horse unnamed. To catch up with... I think it's his horse. I don't remember what his it's horse the bay, name is. Riding the bay. It's the bay, but I don't remember yeah. its name either. The unnamed bay horse, which probably for that us at this point is good. they rescued as a young... Right, and it never left. Mm -hmm. It yep. never left. That's and he pulls up to the truck and he hands Tommy, hand, Tommy the human, hands Michael the whistle. I got a little emotional. I thought it was so nice. Mm, because I got a little emotional because Michael seems genuinely happy to get this gift. Like he's made such progress as a human that he has gone from being like, you're a piece of shit little kid. And I didn't like hanging out with you to being like genuinely touched that Michael gave him this gift. I like that. He's confused for a second though, because he says, this can't be the one from the reunion. No dumbass. I gave you that one. Like I agree. This can't be that one, but it's clear. You don't know where that one is. So, um, you, you know, maybe in your world you think it is, you know, yeah. but no, it's a nice scene. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this is the moment that he actually gives it to him. We can appreciate the whistle and, and they've gone through this character growth and like coming together and, and, and Tommy is now, you know, they're, they're fans of one another again. And now we find Michael back in Beverly Hills at a horse race. I thought he was going to Europe. Like, that, well, he, it's like there's like a, a couple days, it seems like, in between Europe. There's enough time for a horse there's race. There's enough time to go to the track. Yeah, I mean, There's, a, there's enough time for a plot-driven horse race. And 
It is with the horse that Gina's Dade had purchased. Mm-hmm. And Dade has a new ascot on because I just presume he has an entire section of his wardrobe devoted to ascots. Sure. How yeah. else will people know he's rich? Well, you got to have an ascot. Yeah. That's how we knew Fred was rich. True. True. That old mystery machine didn't pay for yeah. itself. You want to know who's funding the, the, the mystery machine? The gang, yeah. yeah. It's Fred. Scooby-Doo Certainly the, not. Sort of not Shaggy. Shaggy, like, yeah. yeah. Shaggy's spending that cash on the ganja. Uh, That's right. The entire horse racing scene is in slow-mo. Once more, horse sense. Here's what's so great about this slow-mo is you are watching Joey Lawrence get pelted in the face with confetti and have to blink it out of his eyes. (laughs) 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 It's just because if you watch, you'll watch it just hit him in the face. Because daddy's horse wins. So then they go up to the winner's circle to take the picture with the, with the horse and the jockey and the horse gets mad. He rears up, Mm -hmm. he rears up, but who is here to save the day? With the, the man horse with the horse sense, sense. Mm, yeah, right. he he gets the horse, and everyone's like, "Get away from there! He's gonna hurt you!" And he's like, "He's not gonna hurt me. He's afraid I'm gonna hurt him." Yeah, this one's wow. not stuck in any mud. Wow. And this is yeah, and this is when Gina looks like it at him like he's a poor, <laughs> but let a let a groom handle that. Yeah. Let a let a professional poor person handle that. <laughs> What a, you're you're an amateur poor person. What let a, someone what a who pro- works for tips exclusively yeah. handle. Let somebody that gets paid less than they deserve handle that problem. And you know she thinks that because the next scene we get with them is Michael about to leave with Gina and Dade to go to the Riviera. And the the driver goes out to take Michael's bag. And he's like, no, 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 I got this. And she's like, no, you should give it to him. That's literally what he's pod to do. Yeah. I was like, wow, you suck. Like, you suck hard. I dislike you, Gina. And this is Michael's big growth moment because he has this epiphany of like, I'm gonna save the ranch. He goes and he sells his Porsche, probably for a lower value because it is pretty massively fucked on the back half after his hit and run. He also goes to liquidate part of his trust, which is not a wise I have so many questions about how he's allowed to do this without his dad. I assume Calabar's name is on that title. And I sure. assume Calibur has to sign over the trust. Grand Sorcerer Calibar and Michael. Logistically, is he allowed to go do that without his dad? I understand that this is showing like he he wants to make the difference, but it's also a stupid plot point because he's already learned that they won't take money. Right? Like that is mm-hmm. like that he's he, we've already established that they are too proud to take money. That like they are, are not going to take handouts, whether it be from family or friends or anything, and that they are not going to take anything they didn't earn. So why does he do all of this? Like, I just don't understand why he, in this point, is like, I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to liquidate the trust. I'm going to do this stuff so that I can give the money. You already know they're not going to take it, which like is exactly what happens. I'm glad that they don't take it because ultimately he tries to give Jules money that he shows back up at the ranch. He tries to give Jules money and she doesn't take it. And I, I didn't really remember how this ended. And and I was glad in that moment because he tries to give it to her and she's like, I'm not going to take your money. And he's like, please let me do this. And I was like, if they go against everything they've established of them being like proud and not taking money because, because now he's had growth and he says, please. And they sort of undermine the Mm. character. Like the, I would be really bummed out. And so I'm glad she sticks to her guns and still says no, but like, I, 
I don't understand why he does this because he he spent all this time with them. He understands who they are. He should understand they're not going to take his money. But also, unrelated but not, did anyone else feel like they were going to fuck? There was a lot of sexual tension. Oh my God, there was tension. some sexual tension Okay, in this. I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was like, there I've was. been watching oh. too much House of the Dragon or is this yeah. going to be a, a family affair? Yeah. yeah. There was some I, tension. I was, I was thinking like, Tommy might have a new daddy, you know, I, like, I, and, and Jules too, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was worried. I forgot for a second cuz as I said earlier, this is a Hallmark film where the main rom- the main relationship is not romantic. For a second I thought maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe the main relationship is romantic. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's your mom's sister, but bro. So. Luckily, they did not pull a Jon Snow Khaleesi situation. They did not. They did not. But what they did do is they really tried to pack up a, a lot of callbacks in the last eight minutes of this film. Yeah. You have Michael helping Tommy carry his, by the way, this conversation, I know it's meant to be a throwaway, but it was, it was incredibly depressing. Tommy and Michael carrying his, a trunk out of the house for the auction. They're selling off all of their worldly possessions to go live with their uncle, bring the trunk out. And Michael asked Tommy like, Hey, what's in the trunk? And he, and Tommy goes, Oh, my mom saves on my schoolwork. It's pretty silly, really, but at least the trunk may get some money. Holy shit, dude. That's heavy. Heavy, man. Like, if that encapsulates this entire scene, sort of emotional weight. It's like, yeah, this is my memories in childhood, but at least it might fetch some money to say, like, to be able to get some money back for the ranch so we're not in debt. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, we Whoa. see the we see the piece that they took a moment to focus on that was the wedding gift that came across on a covered wagon that, like, that's up for sale, right? Yeah, there's a lot of, like, beats getting paid off, but ultimately, um, the, the biggest beat that gets paid off is Michael's solution to the ranch problem oh, uh, and having to work with the antagonist of this film, the bank. If mm-hmm. Michael knows about one thing, yeah. It's land trusts. Yeah, we've established because, he's an expert. Because he wrote a four-page paper on it. <laughs> that was yeah. a delightful read. Yeah. One time, and he got a D on it. So he calls Dad, and he's like, Dad, read my paper. It's on page six. And Dad's like, it's, it's only, only four, four pages. pages. <laughs> he's like, whatever, read this part. That's probably very well written and researched, because I understand land trusts very well. And he goes to the bank, and he's like, you should preserve this land as a horse sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And then he says, my dad taught me you can't do things the easy way. You got to take your time and, and put in the work. And that was another payoff. From yeah. Halloween Town? Yeah, it was a payoff from Halloween Town. Calabar really did put in the work. He became the mayor. He did. Put on a, he, had a, he had a great plot. So he rides, he being Michael, not Calabar, rides back to the ranch has stopped the auction. I did like that traffic was so bad he couldn't get through with the truck that he had to ride the horse into town and mm. then he tied the horse up at the meter. The meter <laughs> that was nice. Horse. That was good. That was nice. <laughs> that was pretty good. He, he stops the auction, full clip, stands on the bed of the truck. Everybody, auction's over. Everything that you bought, we're going to give back to you. And I don't know if you caught this, either of you, but there is, I've been paying attention to this since Xenon because I think it's hilarious. The background actors who have like their little throwaway lines that they record and it'll just like drop in. There's a woman as he's finishing this up. He goes, anything that you bought, 
don't worry. You're not going to get it. We're going to give you your money back. There is a woman that goes, I'm keeping what I bought. <laughs> In the background. And I was like, you get it. Like, yes. Uh, she's like, fuck your memories. Yeah, I don't want your money back. That's a nice hutch. Oh, <laughs> God. That it came across in a covered wagon. I'm keeping what I bought. Uh, so they have this resolution of like, it's going to be a land trust. You're not getting the money. You're not going to own the land anymore. But that means that the trust is going to take da, 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 real estate stuff because you know what? Kids love real estate. So this it, is the big resolution, but also like the sexual tension returns in this scene between Jules, Jules, Jules. And, uh, Jules and Michael. But ultimately that's the resolution, right? Like, and Michael says, can I, can I have one thing? Can you just promise me one thing? And Jules goes, anything. And I was like, please don't say kiss. Cause that's, yeah. that's your aunt, bro. I want to bone you. Yeah. That's uh, thankfully that's not the direction we went. We, we turned the other direction. So was, I thought Max was going to say. Yeah. Oh? <laughs> what did you think? Oh. I thought Max is going to say blow job. <laughs> <laughs> I want a blowjob. <laughs> and, and scene. Decom over. <laughs> Imagine. He says, he, he says he looks into Jules' eyes longingly. I want a blowjob. And then and, and then and then Andrew Lawrence comes mm-hmm. into scene and says, Wanna build a treehouse? I'm like What's a blowjob? <laughs> oh, anyway, God. I like I like the part when Mule and Mustache. Mustache look proud of Michael. Yeah, they like, do. He they, did it. He did that's it. That's gross. That son of a bitch did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, so Michael uh, makes everybody promise that he stays on until the trust is finalized. Because like they need his means. expert help right. to, do this, right. to do this yeah. trust properly. <laughs> no him. one knows about a land trust like Michael does. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. And uh, the, the movie wraps with Tommy and Michael building that treehouse together. They sure and that do. that is horse sense. Whoa! I, I got all teary at the end. Yeah, did you? I thought it was nice when they when Jules realized she didn't have to leave her home. Yeah, sure. That is nice. That is nice. So, what are your ratings for Horse Sense? You know, I quite enjoyed this movie. If I was going to critique this movie for one main thing, it's that it's not very funny. I like a little more humor in my decoms, and maybe that's because of the plot is pretty depressing. Um, maybe that's because we're not getting those sweet middle school zingers that we get in movies like Smart House. Um, but I think the plot's good. I think the characters are pretty well developed for the most part. And I really enjoyed watching it, and I'd watch it again. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight. An eight? Nice. Hi. Yeah. I think that I, yeah, I found this movie to be enjoyable, uh, much better than what we have watched more previously or more recently. I, I don't have a like real solidness nostalgia hit for it. And it, and it wasn't something that I walk away being like, man, that was like a, a really, really great uh, revisit. I just thought like, yeah, good movie. I'm going to give it a 7.5 still uh, above average for sure. 
you you hit the nail on the head there a little bit, Max. And my thinking, I was going to give this a seven eight. It is. It's a movie that I'm not mad if it comes on. I'm not going to be mad if I have to watch it again. It is predictable in terms of how the plot plays out. But that's not a. It, it's kind of like any Hallmark movie, right? We mentioned yeah. it earlier. It's going to come out on the holiday season. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know the roles the characters are going to play. It's going to be very predictable. But it's going to have a have a ending that is predictable and you're going to feel good about it and then you can go on your day and you're not offended and the acting for the most part was not bad which is a far cry from what we've seen recently in our decom revisits right so maybe i'm just maybe i'm feeling a little bit more positively about it because we've had things like don't look under the bed so recently which was just a travesty but yeah seven eight for me for horse sense just a, a good inoffensive movie nice resolution well acted beautiful scenery yeah true as, so long as we're talking about that beautiful scenery i mean we're, we're where they shot um but yeah there are a number there, there aren't a ton of reviews online for horse sense but most of them are glowing uh, a lot of them are going to be in the 10 out of 10s there is there's one that i read that sort of caught my attention it is an 8 out of 10 review the best picture of 1999 for the disney channel is the title in my faux awards for Disney movies, delusional, I know, this one, best picture. The directing was great. The writing is wonderful. Joey and Andy Lawrence were excellent. The acting, very good. The photography, excellent. The music score, nice. Very enjoyable dramedy. I like how they had them playing cousins in this movie instead of brothers, which they are. I felt sorry for Andy's character and for what Joey's character did to him. I would feel insulted or upset if I was dropped off at some place that's really for eight-year-olds. I like the story, too. I have to admit I have not seen this in some time, so I can't really say much else because I don't remember. But it seems like it was a fun experience. Seems like it was a fun experience. (laughs) What, to make it? A winning review. Mm, Yeah, like, by the way, this is an 8 out of 10. And it got Best Picture. Yeah. This guy's fake. Best Picture. Yeah. Awards. I'm just, there, there are things, and this has been a consistent theme for these reviews uh, on IMDb. Somebody will rate something an eight out of 10 and then be like, it's the best thing I've ever seen. And then you'll have somebody who rates oh. it a 10 out of 10. They're like, it was okay. I'm like, you got it. Like, do you understand how this rating system works? Do you know how numbers work? They don't. They're yeah. writing reviews on IMDb. That, True. Right. And you know what? We're putting reviews on a podcast, so we're the same. We're, we're the we, same. Are we? we well, we no. do know how numbers work. <laughs> we talk. We don't write. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was horse sense. What do we got coming up next? Up, up, and away. Huh? Have you? I've. I've, either I've seen never that? seen this movie. At no, least, I, I, mean, I think I've seen pieces, but I also think I'm confusing it with Sky High. Oh, I yeah, love Sky I High. I think it's similar. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I don't recall seeing this movie, so it'll be interesting. Is Sky High a decom? No, yeah, that's is. like a. No, wait, it's is not. it? I think Sky High is like an actual movie in theaters. It's not probably true if it has Kurt Russell. Two thousand and five. Yeah. So up, up, and away is next. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to give us a follow, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review. It really does help us out. And find us on all of our socials at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore Club. We appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.